This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand-new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. And thanks also to... The secret to quality fermentation is White Labs. Core strains are made weekly and most can ship out the next day. Order through the White Labs app or yeastman.com. Visit whitelabs.com backslash whitelabs for a new customer special offer. That's whitelabs.com backslash W-H-Y whitelabs. Earlier indicators would be those loss of thiols and, and color development through polyphenol oxidation. Um, those are going to be your, your first early indicators that you are seeing this oxidation on the hot side. If you are seeing teak formation, that, that definitely is an indication that you have, have too much air being introduced early in your process. This week on the show, Joe Williams, the Sierra Nevada Brewing Company endowed brewer at UC Davis, talks about hot side aeration. Joe, we're talking about hot side aeration today, which is often referred to as HSA in the literature. If you ask a room full of brewers whether or not hot side aeration matters, you'll probably get a variety of answers, right? Correct. Um, and, and a lot of this comes from, from literature. Um, if you read through literature, uh, you'll find articles that say uh, it does matter, and you'll find articles that say it doesn't matter. Um, and, and so it, it does lead to a little bit of confusion. Um, and so we do need to put it in, in context and talk about how scale impacts all of this. What are some of the reasons a, a brewer might want to limit HSA? Sure. So if you look at it, kind of literature, it breaks it down as to kind of some of the, the negatives of, of hot side aeration. And, and so we can kind of start thinking of whether some of these things matter and, and whether we should really be concerned about them. Um, so if you look through the list uh, um, kind of put out by, by Kuntz and Technology of Malting and Brewing, um, it looks at, it says that minimizing uh, hot side aeration will lead to um, increased degradation of beta-glucan and with it starch degrade degradation is improved. So that's a good thing. We do want to uh, limit hot side aeration for that reason. Uh, it says the attenuation limit is higher. Uh, you do see that loudering is uh, faster and it is more complete. Uh, wort color and beer colors are paler. Beer taste is less coarse, um, and it's also said that flavor stability is improved. Um, some of these things uh, are 
arguable, I would say, um, depending on the scale. Um, but some of them are, are definitely true and are reasons for limiting hot side aeration. Let's dive a little deeper into flavor stability. Which types of reactions are relevant here? Sure. Um, so the, it, there's been a couple of different things proposed as to kind of how limiting hot side aeration would minimize flavor change and, and improve flavor stability. Um, one of them is is that it would limit the amount of uh, unsaturated fatty acids that are oxidized, either enzymatically through lipoxygenase or non-enzymatically. Um, but there are LOX-free malts that are out there, and, and so even with that, you don't see much change. So that's kind of questionable. Um, the other one is keeping thiols in the sulfhydryl form so that they don't contribute to redox mechanisms. Um, and so these sulfhydryl residues can can lose the hydrogen and, and form uh, redox sinks. Um, and the other thing you can do is you can minimize the loss of polyphenols and preserve their antioxidant effect, um, lending flavor stability downstream. We talked about lipoxygenase or LOX back on episode 129 with Dr. Aaron and Dr. Yin. We also know, as you just mentioned, that LOX-free malt is available. And we've heard from our conversations with Joe Hertrick how LOX is easily destroyed on the kiln uh, if your base malt color specs aren't too low. So I guess it's pretty clear that HSA can do a lot of damage in a brew house when LOX is present. But what about when it's not? Sure. Um so even without LOX present, um, you still can get a conversion of these fatty acids to um, trans to nonal or E2 nonal. Um, and the way this happens is by um, a reactive oxygen species actually pulling um, an electron off of, uh, sorry, pulling a hydrogen off of the unsaturated fatty acids. Um, and it leaves it in a way that, or in a state that it can go on and form a carbonyl. Um, and so this, this can happen if you have reactive oxygen species present. Um, and you are going to have reactive oxygen species presence in most massage. Okay, let's, let's hear about thiols and HSA. What are the implications there? Sure. So uh, the idea behind thiols and, and HSA is that um, there are uh, residues in proteins, uh, specifically cysteine and methionine, that contain sulfhydryl uh, residues, and, and we're really more concerned with cysteine. Um, in the presence of, of reactive oxygen species, or uh, what will happen is it'll lose uh, hydrogen, um, and these hydrogens will combine with the oxygen um, and form hydrogen peroxide. And then you have hydrogen peroxide that'll, that is unstable and will go on and form radical oxygen species. Um, reacting with metal ions, um, and then you get this uh, radical oxygen cycle that just causes, um, wreaks havoc on your beer. Um, and so the idea being that these thiols could come in and quench this reaction. Um, the problem is that it, there isn't enough thiol present to actually regenerate this redox sink to quench the reaction. Um, and so it doesn't seem like you can get enough thiols into beer to, to stop this. You also mentioned polyphenols. There are some polyphenols that we want to minimize, but in this case, I assume you're talking about the type of polyphenols that are known to function as antioxidants. Correct. Um, and, and so we, we often just look at, at polyphenols as total polyphenol levels. Um, but that's not the whole story. Um, and so we often describe, you know, prescribe a, a certain polyphenol level, total polyphenol level, and say if we're, we hit that target, then everything's fine. Um, but that may not be the case. Um, you know, the, there are different types of, of 
phenolic compounds that will make up your poly, total polyphenols in your beer. Um, so we need we should be looking at this in a more uh, refined way and starting to understand what monomers and and um, dimers we have present um, and what polyphenols we have present and how this can actually affect flavor stability and, and the overall beer quality. Um, so you had uh, Dr. Aaron and, and Dr. Yin on uh, a couple weeks ago talking about freshness. Um, and they were looking at uh, not just fan levels, but trying to get down into different amino acids um, and how those different amino acids and the, and the ordered uptake affects flavor stability and, and Strecker degradations and, and flavor development. And I think we could probably say something similar with polyphenols and it's not just total polyphenols, but the individual phenolics that are making up the total polyphenols is going to matter. Coming up. Just like if you were to cut up an apple and you uh, see that develop a, a brown color over time, you see polyphenol oxidation. That same thing is happening in your beer and your warts. And so warts will darken and you do see color development through oxidation. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Support for this podcast is brought to you by ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, triclamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Additional support provided by... Bring the world to your brew house with BSG's diverse selection of ingredients and services. Our dedicated customer service team and industry experience provides you with the assistance you need every step of the way. Make BSG your supplier of choice with products essential to making great artisanal beverages so you can stay focused on your craft. Visit us at bsgcraftbrewing.com or contact us at 1-800-374-2739. And thanks also to... Malt Europe Malting Company is a leading supplier of craft malt across North America. As a farmer-owned company, Malt Europe has carefully crafted quality malt from locally grown barley for decades. The result? A portfolio of base, specialty, and distiller's malts that exceed the exacting standards of craft brewers. Learn more and buy online at malteuropemaltingco.com. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. Don't miss the basic lab equipment for your brewery webinar August 8th, presented by our friend John Geritano from Episode 64. District Rocky Mountain meets August 14th at New Terrain Brewing in Golden. Master Brewer's Brewery Systems Technology and Maintenance course starts August 18th in Madison. District Carolinas meets August 23rd at Boonshine Brewing. The 2019 Eastern Technical Conference is in Philadelphia August 23rd and 24th. The District Ontario Hop Field Day is August 24th at Goodlot Farmstead Brewing Company. The Eastern Canada Golf Day is August 29th. The District Ontario Annual Golf Tournament is September 6th. A lot of golf in Canada. District Northwest meets in Bend the weekend of September 7th. The District Ontario Iron Brewer is at Common Good Beer Co. September 27th. 
New Hampshire Brewfest 2019 is October 12th in Portsmouth. District St. Louis meets October 17th. And the brand new District Georgia is holding its first annual pig roast October 19th at Monday Night Brewing in Atlanta. Registration is now open for the 2019 Master Brewers Conference in Calgary. Be sure to tack on a couple of extra days to enjoy some amazing hiking and make the 45-minute trip to Banff, which is one of the most picturesque places on the planet. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Now back to the show. We've talked about the potential impact of HSA on unsaturated fatty acids, thiols, and polyphenols, which all make sense theoretically, but what's the practical outcome? Uh, I guess the question really is, how does a brewer know if, if there's low-hanging fruit in regards to HSA in their brewery versus if this is the wrong rabbit hole to go down? That's a great question. Um, you know, it's... It's hard to say whether there's anything with hot sideration in, in most beers. Um, it, it's scale obviously matters uh, when you're dealing on a, this on a small scale. Um, the surface area to volume is, is difficult to deal with. Um, we've got a little barrel and a half system here on campus, um, and I will say it, it it does matter in our scale. It's it's hard to exclude enough oxygen to to deal with some of these things. Um, but if you're brewing at a, you know, 60 barrel or a hundred barrel or even a 200 barrel brew house, it's, it's not much of an issue. I don't think you can get enough air into a system like that to, to cause issues. Um, so I, I think the first thing you do is you, you, you look at your process, you, you walk it backwards and forwards and you look at where air can be getting in or, or um, where you're doing a good job of excluding air. Um, and, and you start there. All right, very good. You also uh, suggest that laudering is faster when HSA is minimized. Why is that? Uh, this is this is fun. Um, so as I mentioned, we've got a, a barrel and a half system on campus, um, and we do have problems with with hot side aeration, hot side oxidation in our brew house. Um, the what we see is uh, Teague formation. Um, and Teague develops when you have these sulfhydryl groups uh, in those um, proteins. They oxidize and they'll form disulfide bridges, and specifically the cysteine residues. Um, and those disulfide bridges come together and you cause something called a, a gel protein. Um, and it's sticky and tacky and they'll combine with uh, small starch molecules that survive the, the malting process. Um, and you get this dough on top of your mash. Um, and in extreme cases, we get something that looks like a cap on top of our mash. Um, and it's impenetrable. Liquid does not flow through it. So you get uh, massive channeling and, and your louder times go up and your extraction goes down. Um, not good things. What about beer color and flavor? What do we know about the impacts there? Sure. So uh, when you oxidize warts, the first things that are oxidizing are, the, are those thiols. Um, and then you start oxidizing the polyphenols. And so as we talked about, um, the polyphenol levels will change over time. Um, not just the total polyphenol levels, but the actual polyphenol, the, the phenolic structures will change over time. The, the, the ratios will change. 
just like if you were to cut up an apple and you uh, see it develop a, a brown color over time, you see polyphenol oxidation, that same thing is happening in your beer and your warts. And so warts will darken and you do see color development through oxidation. Um, and so warts will and beers will be paler if you minimize brew house oxidation. Um, there is, uh, in literature, you'll find that People say that if you oxidize these polyphenols, you also tend to get a more harsh or coarse flavor. Um, I have a hard time uh, dealing with a lot of the, the sensory stuff out there just because um, a lot of it's anecdotal. And, and I don't think the, a lot of the sensory work that has been done historically is um, lends itself to the holds up to the scientific rigor we would like it to. Um, so a lot of that's anecdotal, um, but it is said that it does uh, lend a less coarse flavor, whatever that means. <laughs> what are typically the biggest culprits of HSA in a modern brew- in modern brew house equipment? Is it pump seals, mashing in, splashing during Vorloff, or something else? I, again, I think it depends on the scale and it depends on the age of your brew house. Um, you know, most modern Brew houses are, are fairly well designed and to, to, to minimize this. Um, but if you start looking at some of the, the older equipment, um, it's this was not a thought. Um, you know, a lot of copper brew houses are going to lend copper ions that are going to lead to radical formations that are going to cause a lot of these reactions anyway. So how much of it really matters on that scale? Um I think if you you look at the process and you start, okay, with milling your malt, when you start with a 55-pound bag of malt and you mill it, it expands. What's what's taking up the additional volume? It's typically air. And so now you're going to pour that into your your mash tun and you're going to mix it with hot water. And so depending on how you, you know, if you're filling from the bottom, you're obviously going to get less air and introduced than you would if you're uh, splashing everything in from the top so it all depends on you know can you redesign your 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 mashing system a lot of folks can't so it's you know how do you how do you deal with this can you purge the system with nitrogen or um, co2 possibly is there really the the need for it maybe um, it's hard to say everybody's got to look at their own process and kind of understand what the impact's going to be for themselves it's just I, I would like people to understand that it that it does matter and it is something that they should should think about should be in the back of your mind have you seen or heard of any modifications to uh, process or equipment that have dramatically reduced hsa uh just you you like you mentioned your pilot system for example is there any any particular process change or modification to the equipment that that you know you've seen actually make a big improvement not yet. Uh, we're still playing with a few things. Um, and the fun thing about about this position and this this facility is that we we get to see a lot of of different of different brew processes, different recipes, and different ingredients. And um, anecdotally, uh, I I will say I see more or less teak formation when there's a bit of crystal malt in in the recipe um and so if you start reading through literature and and going back to uh, when you had uh, dr aaron and dr ian on they, they talked about melanoidins and and how they play into all of this and um radical formation and 
so it, it's a it's a complex matrix and it's hard to assign causation to any one thing um and so you really need to look at the whole process holistically and um go from there do you think teague, teague formation is uh, one of the best indicators of hot side aeration uh no i would say it's probably the it's a great a good indication that you have way too much um I think earlier indicators would be those loss of thiols and, and color development through polyphenol oxidation. Um, those are going to be your, your first early indicators that you are seeing uh, this oxidation on the hot side. Um, if you are seeing teak formation, that, that definitely is an indication that you have, have too much air being introduced early in your process. That was Joe Williams here on the Master Brewers Podcast. Well, this is where I'd normally say something like, if you want to learn more about hot side aeration, go to the District Presentations Archive to get a copy of the presentation Joe gave last spring during the combined District Southern Cal and Northern Cal Technical Conference. But, sadly, the California District Officers have not uploaded these presentations. Come on, guys. Get it together. Getting this information into the archive helps brewers for years to come. I guess I'll just add links in the show notes to some of the other Master Brewers resources and discussion threads about HSA. Check out the brand new Master Brewers podcast website. You'll find guest profiles, information about upcoming live events, and more, all at masterbrewerspodcast.com. Hurry up! There's only a few weeks left to take advantage of discounted early bird registration for the 2019 Master Brewers Conference. And be sure to tack on a couple of extra vacation days. Here's why. It's a really beautiful city. It's close. I mean, it's it's an hour from the mountains. You're in Banff, one of the most picturesque places on the planet, um, within 45 minutes if you want to venture out. And then if you go even further, about an hour further is Lake Louise and Moraine Lake, um, which is beautiful and picturesque as well. Turquoise waters, uh, brilliant crisp air, great people, great hikes if you like hiking. Uh, some of the best hikes that I've ever done have been around Lake Louise, so... Lots of people get stirred into like the touristy zones, and um, there's so much more to, to Banff, Lake Louise, and Calgary than the tourist zones. Uh, Must-sees. Uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of uh, not Lake Louise itself, although it's beautiful, but Moraine Lake, which is a, a, a lake that's a little bit further up the mountain. Um, I always tell people to go visit that lake. There's some beautiful hikes um, Johnson Canyon's a pretty easy hike um, if you do the small small hike uh, just to a couple waterfalls. Uh, that's just outside Banff. Um, if you go a bit further, you can do Ink Pots, uh, which is about I think it's about a four or five hour hike all in all, depending on your pace. Um, and if and if you go further than the Ink Pots on that same trail, you you end up in Lake Louise. So it's it's linked to Lake Louise, and then it becomes a full day deal. But in general, um, take in I would say if if I were talking about Calgary, I would take in nature. I mean. It's at its finest. The city's beautiful, um, and and lots of lots of energy on 17th Ave and um, Electric Ave. But um, the real gem is heading to those Rockies and and driving into Canmore and Banff and Louise and 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 just looking around at at 
at nature at its best. It's it's an absolutely spectacular place to be. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, ABS, Proximity Malt, White Labs, BSG, and Malt Europe. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support. My heart full of rage, well, I can't get stuck, I can't be losing too much And then I'm headed, I'm headed, I'm headed out to any pain My fist full of, I'm full of courage, baby My heart full of rage, girl well, I can't get stuck, I can't be losing too much And then I'm heading out to any other place Just by my mind